Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of fireandicesoccer.com. This is Ryan Boyles, and joining me as always is friend, colleague, and fellow Chicago Fire fan, Jeff Engelhart. Jeff, how are you doing on this fine Monday night? I'm doing well. Busy as always, but can't complain. How are you doing? About the same. Almost word for word what you just said. Um, you know, I'm just glad we're able to record here tonight. And this is going to be a very special episode of the podcast. You guys may want to stick around till the end of it this time. Don't ditch out like you normally do after you hear us talk about the fire, because we do have some information regarding the future of the podcast and the website. So wet, wet the beak a little bit there with some information. But for now, I think we should be talking about a little bit of the product on the field, because I had to do um, one of those cartoon when I look to the standings, I see the Chicago Fire second in the Eastern Conference after a pretty impressive, in a way, 2 nothing victory this weekend at home against Atlanta United. And, Jeff, I understand you were not able to watch all of the match, correct? Correct. Um, but first I want to go back a little bit and say that is a professional tease, my friend. That was a good radio tease. But, yes, um, I couldn't watch – the whole match, unfortunately. But I did watch the extended highlights and all that, and they did play very well. And I think what we wanted to see out of this team was a big response to the just, uh, you know, tragedy that happened in Atlanta when Johan Kapelhoff went off early and Atlanta made Chicago look like fools. So it was nice to get that, um, that result back and Chicago taking all three points felt good. And the fact that you just kept Atlanta's streak of, um, you know, falling a little bit short going, uh, that's always nice too. Everyone was really convinced this was not only a playoff team, but maybe one of the best teams in the league. And I think uh, time has shown that is not the case. And just a little bit of um, awareness for our listeners, you were only able to really watch the highlights. I was at my girlfriend's sister's graduation this weekend. So I was right. actually up in the suburbs. I got excited. I'm like, okay, I'll be on CSN. I'll be able to watch on the television. Hotel we were staying at, didn't have it. That's so, right. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. That definitely happens up here. And so I do want to give a shout out, though, to Ryan coming all the way up from Decatur up into the suburbs of Chicago. I'll stay at Arena. Uh, graduation action that's pretty uh that's pretty cool yeah yep um so basically my entire viewing experience was watching the facebook feed on my uh pixel so i end up having to listen on a very very watch on a very very tiny screen and listen to the facebook commenters which i'm not sure if our listeners are aware but it is almost torture I would not wish the Facebook commenters upon my worst enemy. Look, I know we all love soccer and we all want to see the game and everything, but the big question is, you're at a graduation ceremony at Allstate Arena. Did anyone cash in the money in the bank and or did anyone win the WWE championship and run into the crowd a la CM Punk? Unfortunately, 0 for 2 on that one. I had texted you beforehand that I was really excited for the opportunity 
to see someone grab their uh, diploma, run to the crowd, and blow a kiss to the president of DePaul University. But alas, did not see that. There wasn't any call to personality that played. No surprises. No, this fire burns. I really don't understand how they didn't play a little cult of personality by living color. That should have been played. But hey, I'm not running the ceremony. Mm-hmm. You should know. Ryan's trying to talk yeah. about soccer, and you keep going back to his graduate, his Laura's sister's graduation. This is my wife right here, who also <laughs> loved Money in the Bank. She was there with us. She. Definitely marked out for Evan Bourne doing the backflip off the ladder. So don't let her tell you otherwise. She was a big fan. Um, but we do have soccer to talk about. So back on track. Bastion Schwein, Steiger, all good things. Let's go. Yep. All right. So needless to say, it was a weird experience for me watching it. And it's interesting. You Really, if you look at the stats, some of them, the fire went to nothing. Great win. They only had 39 possession on the game. And really, they had a lot of missed opportunities in this game. It was, yeah, it and that's what I think makes this win almost more impressive. Is that in the past, the Fire had a bunch of missed opportunities, squandered their chances, got dominating possession. They would have been blown out, and yet somehow here they are. All this happens, and they easily win two nothing against a inconsistent Atlanta side. But Atlanta side that eh, had a few injuries. But still, when they're on, they're one of the most explosive teams in MLS. So for, sure. for sure. And there, like you said, there were a lot of great chances. I thought David Akam was a guy who was at the center of a lot of it. And I know that he messed up on a lot of his um, chances. But he also made some great plays when it counted as well. I mean, that first goal, whoo, he, uh, you know, taking this defender down to the baseline, pulling it back out, making that pass. It was – that's about as pretty as it gets. So I know that the comms touch failed him most of the day. I know he wasn't on his best, but he still kind of showed you how special he can be. And I still think that might mean – He's he's heading to different pastures come summertime. Well, interesting to see. Um, I don't know if there's going to be as much interest from European sides as maybe a comp thinks he deserves. But I wouldn't be surprised that there's some feelers sent out his direction. And it'll be interesting to see if the fire decide to entertain any offers from him. Because at this point, you could probably make a you know million or two, maybe a little bit more off of a transfer. So it will just be something to see and keep track of in the future here. But one thing I do want to point out, talking about performances on um, during the game, Bastian Schweinsteiger, I thought maybe had one of his best games as a non-scorer for the fire. Um, Agreed. From what, I, from what I saw, I completely And um, as Guillermo mentioned in his um, recap, um, it was interesting to see Schweinsteiger um, really – played pretty far back he was almost a third center back and he just did a really good job kind of filling the holes in the back and really preventing Atlanta from continuing some of that penetration they were doing especially Mm -hmm. early on yeah and I might put too much stock into this I was really unsure of what we'd get from him 
only because his wife, who's an extremely accomplished tennis player, had her official retirement, um, you know, just this last weekend. So I, w- I wasn't sure where his head would be at. But like you said, maybe one of his best performances uh, since he's come here. And again, I can't claim to have seen everything. I didn't. But from what I saw, he was very impressive, uh, which really isn't a surprise. He's been great pretty much the whole time outside of those trips to Toronto and New York where he was maybe a little bit subpar. But that's about it. He's been great ever since. And uh, he'll probably be named one of the All-Stars in the upcoming All-Star game in Chicago uh, where, you know, hopefully we have as – least amount of players as possible not because they're not deserving but you don't want to see them get hurt or get worn down in a meaningless game there's points to be had in the regular season and really looking up and down the lineup I don't think there's really any one fire player you can point at and say that they did not they didn't have a good game or that they were below average I thought it was a pretty impressive effort all around um even David Akam, who is really consistent, he was a marvelous setup. Right. Set up the goal by Solonak. And so that definitely bumps him up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, uh, you kind of make up for your sins when you make a play like that. So I know it wasn't his best game overall, but hey, he delivered when it counted. That's all you can ask for. Again, just. Um, we talk about the Sapphire, and all of this is without Dax McCarty, who has been with the national team. And so that almost makes it even more impressive to me is here's a guy who's been one of your best players all year. He goes away for two matches, and yet you walk away from those two games with four points in two matches. So I think as Sapphire, you gotta, you got to be pretty happy about that. Absolutely. I mean, I – you know, you sort of forget almost that he's not here, but my God, um, the fact they're still doing this without him is insane because he really has been the best player. So if you get these results when he's not there, this team is legitimate. I mean, I had him in seventh place, which was foolish of me because they are a playoff. If they do not make the playoffs, uh, everyone should be fired. This team is is ready. They're probably the second best team in the East. I don't know. They should be in the Eastern Conference Finals when everything is said and done. They're really good. I don't know. I mean, that's how much they've sold me. I mean, it's funny to think about how if you had said that two or three months ago, uh, you may have been committed on spots. But here we are right now. Um, in 15 matches, the Fire have 28 points, eight wins, three losses, four ties. Um, I mean, this team already has more wins now than they had all of last season, and they're starting to slowly approach their total uh, point standing from last year already. And yeah, I mean, the, season. their last loss was on April 29th. April 29th was the last time they, this team lost the game. They have not lost since April 29th. That is impressive. I think when you slice it, that is that, – that's just really, really impressive. Yeah. And just uh, kind of show you again how much better they've been than last year. Um, if they win their next match, they'll have 31 points. They had 31 points all of last season. 
Yeah. They'll they'll have played 18 fewer matches. And when you look around the league right now, I mean, I think there might be a blockbuster move, maybe one, maybe one blockbuster move in the summer transfer window. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the league is set up pretty much as we'll see it going forward. So um, Chicago is – they have as good a chance as anybody as far as I'm concerned, especially coming out of the East. I know FC Dallas is a juggernaut over there in the West, but you really don't got to worry about them until the the MLS Cup. So, uh, you know, they're the second-best team in the East. Obviously, you got to respect Toronto and what they can do. Um, but you know, New York City FC, Montreal, all those teams, New York Red Bulls, this team can stack up with them on any given, any given day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I guess you got to make a whole series of movies, any given Tuesday, (laughs) any given Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to look at this fire team and say it's just been a fluke. Um, they had the second best goal differential of any team in the Eastern conference. Uh, they, you know, nine, you know, they have a plus nine goal differential. Um, I mean, New York City FC has eight. Toronto has 11. But the other teams that are currently in the playoffs, Orlando City, Columbus, and Red Bulls, all have negative goal differentials. And, again, Atlanta was missing Yosef Martinez for most of the game. Uh, they had a few other injuries. Names are still up in my mind at this point. But I think at this point – if Dax McCarty comes back, plays as well as he does, Schweinsteiger plays as well as he does, stays healthy, Nikolic continues to be a golden boot candidate, David Akam is in sold during the window, I think this is a team that can kind of cover up some of their perceived weaknesses at right back and goalkeeper. I don't know if they can cover that all the way to an MLS championship, but I think at the very least you can get into the playoffs with what that you have. And then the playoffs are a little bit of a crapshoot. And with the talent they have, they're healthy. I think at the end, any conversation. Yeah, of course, the playoffs are a crapshoot. And, you know, you always hope for the best. But I think after the kind of seasons we've seen and the kind of designated players, we haven't even really touched on Nemanja Nikolic. I feel like we're taking him for granted almost. He's about to break the record for the most goals by a designated player for the Chicago Fire, and he hasn't even played a half a season yet. It's unbelievable the rate he is scoring goals. It is unbelievable. And as much as we love Blanco and, well, just Blanco, I don't think we love any other DP the way we love Blanco. Um, He's going he's gonna to do it, man. I think Nemanja Nikolic, at the end of one year, is probably going to go down as the most beloved designated player in Chicago Fire history. He's been unbelievable, and he might be the best goal scorer in the entire league, which is insane to say, but the golden boot looks to be his at this point. For sure. And looking a little bit ahead... The Fire actually have a midweek match. Um, the Finally, the Chicago Fire entered the U.S. Open Cup. And it's going to be an interesting match. On Wednesday, they actually travel to a USL side. Yeah. And unfortunately, this may be the closest we ever get to an I-55 Cup 
because they'll be playing St. Louis FC down Fenton, Missouri. And that game match will be, again, Wednesday night. And I'm not sure if you've had the chance to really follow St. Louis this year. They're pretty mediocre, to say the least. They're 4-4-3 four, four, and three on the season, negative two goal differential. Well, that's what happens when Patrick Duty leaves, leaves your team, right? <laughs> exactly. And so the Duty man, I think he was a big – Big factor in that he was—he was much love among the St. Louisans. He was. They, they did love him for real. So, so I think the biggest question I'd ask is: at this point, we talked about how well the Fire are doing. We couldn't say this in the years past, but the Fire don't necessarily need to win the Open Cup to cause the season a success. Right. So I, I think the real question is: do you even send? How many of your uh, starters do you even send down to St. Louis? It's a good question. It's a fair question. I think that they're deeper than they've ever been in the last three or four years. We're talking about Georgie Mihailovic, who's a personal favorite of the Fire on Ice website. Uh, we all know how much we love Georgie. Summer of George. Let's go. Um, so he's available. You have Joey Kalistri killing it in Tulsa. I mean, there's there's a lot of options I think you can go with. Drew Connor, I know he's had some first-team minutes, but he's still a guy that, you know, can go a full 90. Matt Polster is just getting into game shape, so why not keep playing him? I mean, there's no reason to think that this team can't make simultaneous runs at a MLS Cup and a uh, U.S. Open Cup. I think it's possible, and I think they have the depth to do it. So we'll see. But but I want to say, if they fall short this year, I mean, we've been a little bit spoiled. They've made it to the semifinals or I think even the finals one year here recently. Even when they've been a bad team, they've ended up making deep runs. So it's not like you should expect a deep run every single season. But they have the depth to pull it off. If they do it, great. I just want to see him play the kids because I want to see more of Georgie Mihailovic. I want to see more of Drew Connor. I want to see more of Joey Kalistri if they call him up for a game or two. Um, I think that'd be fun. For sure. Looking forward to watching that match. And I'm, I'm going to soak this in because our listeners may know, I generally cheer for St. Louis teams. I cheer for the Cardinals. I cheer for the Blues. So a little bit of a special place in my heart for the St. Louis. I, I do have to insert, though, he does, that's true. He does cheer for St. Louis teams. But this jerk also cheers for the Green Bay Packers, which is kind of a mortal sin uh, in these realms. In my defense, it was a team that I was raised on when I was very young. My dad was a Raiders fan. He's like, son, I don't want you to suffer like I have. <laughs> so his best friend. His best friend, he gave me a cheese head when I was four years old. At that point, I was hooked. Because what four-year-old doesn't love a giant piece of cheese headwear? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I just felt it was needed to be pointed out that while you do love St. Louis teams, and that is a true statement, um, when it comes to the National Football League, your allegiance lines with one of Chicago's most hated rivals, if not the most hated rival. Oh, for sure. Don't think I've not thought about how weird it is that I cheer for the Chicago Fire. The lone Chicago team that I cheer for. It's a weird, oh, hey. it's a weird feeling, to say the least. It's like I'm you know, sleeping with the enemy sort of thing. It's 
But with all the success the Chicago Blackhawks have had, it's made me feel weird about my deeply, deeply devotion to the Detroit Red Wings, which, I mean, I love the Chicago Fire, but at the end of the day, if I had to pick a Chicago Fire MLS Cup or Detroit Red Wings Stanley Cup, sorry to tell you, probably going with the latter. I'm the same as you. Unlike you, I've never seen my hockey team win a championship. So I like to think that all the Cardinals and Packers' success is tidying me over until the Blues actually make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, the Blues will never do that, so don't, don't hold your breath. Exactly. I didn't say win the Stanley Cup Finals. I said make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know if you saw what Nashville did, but that team's going to be pretty good for the next four years, so you're just going to have to wait it out here a little bit. We shall see. We shall see. Let's talk about a team that we both do care about, though. That's the U.S. men's national team. That's right. We do care about that team. <laughs> we do. But we just saw the U.S. men's national team play their third round of World Cup qualifying matches over the last couple of days. Uh, they had a 2 nothing victory over Trinidad and Tobago on Thursday at Denver. And then on Sunday night, they go into Stadio Azteca and walk out with a 1-1 draw and get the much-needed point in Mexico. And after you and I were so mystified by this team last November, legitimate concerns that they may actually miss on the World Cup, you have to feel pretty confident going here into the final four matches with the team right there in the middle of the qualifying and having played three of their most difficult matches already two against Mexico, and one at Costa Rica. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it. I mean, Bruce Arena, wow, what a, what a coach. I mean, he has been a world of difference from Jurgen Klinsmann. The tactics he deployed, the strategy he deployed in Mexico, unbelievable. He made so many changes. I was really skeptical. I didn't think that, I, you know, I thought it may be a 2-1 game for Mexico. I didn't think the U.S. was pulling a result out of that. And he was spot on with his tactics. He was spot on with his lineup. It worked out so well. And there's no doubt that this team is qualifying for the World Cup. After a shaky start, they're going to be there without a doubt. They'll be in the top three. Mexico will probably win it, but I think the U.S. will end up being the second-place team just because of how well they're doing and – there's really no reason to think they're going to lose a game from here on out. I think we're going to see wins or draws uh, the rest of the way. I don't know. Do you, do you disagree with that? I don't think that's completely out of the norm. I mean, they still have to play Costa Rica, who right. never an easy match to play. They have to travel down to Trinidad, which shouldn't be an issue, but it's always difficult having to travel down there to the hot Central American countries. And then, again, they play at Honduras on September 5th, which could be a little tricky match. Honduras, you know, they like to play a little bit dirty, and no one really likes playing in Honduras. And that right. They all play that kick-ass style, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're good enough and they're resilient enough to take a point out of those. I, I don't think they're winning those because it's going to get mucked up. They're not going to get the calls, just like we saw in Mexico. I mean, Jesus, Salcedo. He should have got a red card like in the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the U.S. kept their composure. They just kept playing. 
and they took a point. And really, when you know you're not going to get the calls, when it gets all concacafy and real physical like that, I think that's the best you can ask for. And I think when it comes to games like Trinidad or Honduras or Costa Rica even, um, you know, I think they might win in Trinidad, uh, but Honduras and Costa Rica, they might be draws. Either way, I, I just honestly don't see this team losing from here on out. No, I think they're definitely and they're in the best position they could have possibly been in after their disappointing, to say the least, start to this World Cup qualifying round. So I'm excited yeah. they again the Gold Cup is actually gonna be this summer. So the next round of World Cup qualifiers won't actually be until September. Right, which is kinda of crazy. But um I mean I know Mexico had a ton of chances in this last game, but <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that Christian Pulisic, who sort of called the, you know, we will beat Mexico. He could have, if that that chance was so close, it would have been nuts if he converted it. I mean, if he called them winning and then actually scored the game winning goal, I I think we would have been talking uh, talking about him like he's Neymar or Messi or Ronaldo. Yeah. Well, let's give credit where credit due. Michael Bradley had world-class. He had a Carly Lloyd kind of goal. Oh, yeah. Carly Lloyd. Forget Ronaldo. We're talking Carly Lloyd kind of goal. Carly Lloyd kind of goal. So, props to him. And you mentioned earlier, Bruce Arena. Props to him, too, running out a – he's calling it a 3-5-2. Yeah. That's that's exactly what it was. So, and they – Apparently, the player said going into the camp, he already told them that's what they're going to be doing in Mexico, and they actually practice that on the side. So, it's again, it's just weird to have a coach on the men's national team who actually seems to know tactics and strategies and practices that and carries it out in the actual game. Yeah, and I wasn't as big of a Jurgen hater as a lot of people, but by the end, I was ready for him to go. And I think Bruce Arena has been a really good coach so far. And hopefully that continues. Um, I'm pretty optimistic about not only their chances to qualify, which I think at this point is pretty much um, a given, but I think that they'll also have a chance to do pretty well in the actual tournament. That's right. And now you mentioned about Jurgen having to go. Um, I feel that I should probably – Wait us in here until the last round of the podcast. And, Jeff, I know you have something that you need to share with our listeners. Yes, that is correct. And it doesn't take a astute observer to see that the website and the Twitter account have been pretty silent compared to what it was in the first four to five weeks of the season. Um, that is not without coincidence. Uh, I had my, well, not me, my wife, had our second child on March 31st, uh, pretty much coinciding with Bash and Schweinsteiger's arrival to the team and this amazing run they've been on. So that's good from a team perspective. But what it's meant for me is a lot of time, much more than I expected. Uh, I had a, a child before and it wasn't as crazy as people pump you up for. You know, they get you all worked up, get your mind all 
all psyched out and it's like, oh, okay, this is doable. Um, but then that second kid comes and it, it becomes much more difficult and much more time consuming. So with that being said, uh, it is not possible for me to make as many updates to the website as I would like. It is not possible for me to even be available for weekly podcasts necessarily. But this is a website that has a ton of potential, mostly because of the journalistic uh, leanings of myself and Ryan Boyles. I, I believe in ourselves. I believe that we can do some good work and I think that this can be a successful project, so I don't want to see it die. I have reached out to people I feel are uh, very good and would be fun to add to this equation until a time comes where I can more fully commit my time to the website and the podcast. Yep, it's was heavy heart, so we had to announce that. But as Jeff said, viewers have been sent out to potential replacements. No, actually replacements, that's a bad way of putting it. Fjords have been sent out to find a new partner to share this fire and ice experience with. Right. I mean, you would think that once they get into the fold, people would maybe take a liking to them and enjoy them. And so we're not going to want to kick them out once I do actually have some time. I think they'll just be part of the team and we'll actually grow our little um you know, our little sector of awesome fire coverage here. And there's been a lot of good stuff that has popped up since, and I don't know if that coincides with the team being good or not, but I know the, the former O'Leary podcast or, or whatever you want to call it, they have some good stuff going on. I'm not sure if that's subscription-based or not. Uh, we'll always be free because, you know um, – but yeah, I, I think that the podcast should still be really good moving forward. And hopefully we'll do some of the stuff on the site that we all came to love, like the recaps, the previews, the player rankings. And I think I might jump into the, uh, the old Pick'em Challenge again, as long as people are interested. I'm a man of my word. So hopefully we can keep this going all season long. If not, Sean has already earned his reward um, with how well he's done. So we'll just see if, if enough people are interested in keeping it going. I think that I should have enough time every Thursday to post that. That doesn't seem like it should be too much, uh, despite the fact that everything else is too much. So I'll be around, hopefully. I'll jump in on some podcasts. I'll jump in on some game coverage here and there. But... I won't be that primary person that I was hoping to be when the season started. Yep, it is. It was heavy hearts we announced that, but as a wise man once said, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Yeah, I, someone probably said that for sure. So it is with that we say goodbye to this episode of Fire and Ice Podcast, and we say see you later to Jeff Engelhart, and perhaps in the near future, we say hello to a new co-host, the welcome into the Fire and Ice family. Yep. Time to make my trip to the upside down. I'll see you later. We need to find our own 11 to help us out. That's right. Bring you back at some point. <laughs> Sounds good.
So is with that, we say, and with that, we wrap things up. Remember, follow us on Fire and Ice Soccer on Twitter. Read our stuff at fireandicesoccer.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast at. Rain review us. Um, I'm not sure how relevant those reviews will be in the near future, but we still definitely look at them. And join me, as always, with Jeff Englehart. This was Ryan Voiles, and go fire. Yeah.